In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. But I'm telling you, nine out of 10 guys are on their knees repenting and sobbing at the end of this experience. Time after time after time. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. You are listening to part two of our interview with Bo Quickle of Vigilante Truth. Enjoy this episode. God created men with a purpose. We are physically more capable than a woman right so let's just stereotype it there but but what i found is there are are the nature of god has been placed into females far superior to what i have and so it is my job to protect that in a woman from being demonically demolished by our culture or others other spirits so it is my job to shield and protect her greatness her value and that's what men have failed to do and even recognize their value. But once you recognize their value, you still have to step in and do your part of protecting that value. My wife is a dynamic woman. I'll brag on her all day long. Her her ability to enter a covenant with somebody is second to none. So if you want to know what the image of God looks like and, and what covenant means in the kingdom, just hang out with my wife a little bit. You can learn that. So it's my job to protect that image of covenant in her. Well, as a typical man, what if I'm womanizing and cheating on her and, and I am going to the strip clubs and I'm not coming home because I'm playing golf and, and she's, I'm, what I'm doing is taking the one covenant that's supposed to be the most important to her second to her, her covenant with Jesus, but I'm taking the marriage covenant and destroying it yep. instead of protecting it. Absolutely. So when I say protect and shield, we need to do our part to figure out what, what makes that female priceless and do our part to make sure we're not destroying it. That's a hand-in-hand in partnership with the devil to destroy what is most priceless and, and important in her. And not just for my wife. I have a daughter the same way. And then every one of these other millions of, of females I come in contact with, I have the same heart. I'm going to shield and protect whatever God has placed in you. It's absolutely priceless. Well, you know, it's interesting, Bo, because my my response to women when they talk about men and when they ask me about our ministry I am a huge fan of strong women. The West was won yeah. during the Victorian movement in the 18, late 1800s by women who came in and said, hey, uh-uh, you want some of this? 
You're going to put a ring on it. You're, I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm a woman of prudence. I'm a woman of honor. And uh, I think that when you have a woman who's in bondage to sex slavery, that is a, a, a bonded woman. That is a, that is a woman who has been shackled and changed. And because of that, she is, uh, don't, I, I'm going to use the word weak, but don't take it as in weak as in not strong. I'm saying she's weak because she's in bondage. And you release that woman and give her freedom, she's strong. And so we need strong women. We need bold women. We, we need dynamic women. And we need those to help us as men be stronger, better men as well. Sure. You know, it's and here's, the, here's the, the, the catch-22 to all this. I, I would go out and speak uh, similar to what, what we're talking about today, and I'd rally up a group of 100 men, and they'd want to get arm-in-arm, arm, and we're going out and we're going to end slavery next week. And six weeks goes by, and these guys are just gone. They're not calling anymore. They're not emailing anymore. And, and I'm thinking, gosh, is my message not truth? Is my message not real? What's the problem here? Where's the disconnect? And that's when God allowed me the experience and the, and the knowledge to understand that a man will not fight for anything he doesn't value. I tell guys all the time, listen, you come into my house and try to steal the big screen off of my wall, let alone on Sundays during football. <laughs> but you come in on a Tuesday night, I'm still going to put a bullet in your head on the family room floor and, and leave you there. You're not going to steal my TV from my home. I bought that TV for $356 at Walmart. So I'm, I'm willing to, to kill and perhaps die over a $356 TV and my right to call my home my own. But I see girls getting abused all the time, and a man won't step up and do anything about it. You know, there's, hmm. there's girls that I've seen women right in front of me get slapped, you know, or getting verbally abused by a man just coming down on her. And you look around the room and they're in the guy that's going to step into that fray. And I promise you, I will. But I have to ask, why, what is it about them? They're not valuing that female to any level. Certainly not. I'm not willing to risk myself. I, I them then am more valuable than her at a bare minimum. That guy might kill me and I'm more valuable than her. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the quick easy, but you know, it's, on a, it's even worse than that. So if we are not going to value women, then my army, that's why they were disappearing. They were like, we want to go fight. But then they look around and go, well, women really aren't worth anything because that's what uh, they've been taught. Yeah. See? And they just off they go. You put a diamond on a, on a table at a restaurant and somebody tries to steal it. Every man in the place will get up and try to grab the thief who stole a purse. Or, yeah, right. Yeah. And all in on that. But we'll let somebody hit a female. We'll let somebody degrade a female in our presence. And listen, here's, here's degrading a female. A couple of guys sitting at a bar telling trophy stories. Mm. Or, or the, the bartender walks by at a Hooters, and she got on her little short shorts and, and her cleavage hanging out. And we're sitting there elbowing each other and smiling. And, right? So where's our value of that female at all? Yeah. We, it's just our culture across the board. Is, is devaluing and devaluing, devaluing women to such a place where they're having to dress provocatively. And I'm not a prude. They can dress how they want. But they're having to dress provocatively because we've taught them as a culture their only value is sexual. Yeah. Right? And we men, we prop up that, that value definition day after day after day after day. And that is merely 
making sex trafficking the fruit on the tree. It has nothing to do with the root issue. No, and that it certainly is, doesn't yeah. have anything to do with the true seed. That is so true. Well, and I one of the things that we've done in our ministry, Bo, is we've said, you know, I, I, I'm I'm kind of over this uh, toxic masculinity phrase because I think that's an oxymoron. I think a uh, by definition, a man who is masculine, who's doing manly things, is not toxic. Therefore, uh, a male who is toxic is not a man. He's a male, and so I think that's the distinction we've drawn. We said if you're, you know, if you're uh, on the other end of a knee to knee with Mister Bo, <laughs> you have right. you have transcended uh, and reverted back into male behavior or boyish or childish. But you're not a man right now, and so what you're doing is you're 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 helping these guys to go back to what manhood really is. And it's not, you know, being the Methodist preacher on Sunday, then going and uh, to a truck stop on Monday. You know, that's not manliness. Right. That's not manhood. So, well, hey, I got I got a question for you. You got me really fired up here. So how many teams do you have doing these knee-to-knee appointments, or is it just you? Do you have teams? Uh, we, we, we do not have multiple teams. Uh, due to the risk involved, um, we, we don't have multiple teams. Um I have been asked and have worked with different law enforcement groups. We are very, very effective, uh, very effective at, at these uh, hotel interventions. <laughs> so, <laughs> dear John uh, meetings. <laughs> yes, these dear John meetings. So um, law enforcement knows what we do, and so they, um, they will occasionally invite me to come in and, and work with them. And what's been interesting is there's really two different types of men uh, as, as a commercial to this, uh, men are either in search of intimacy and they used to have that intimacy with Christ. And that's what I'm, I'm with God in the garden. That's what we're wired for. That's what we were created for. And so when we were kicked out of the garden, we lost that intimacy. So we are by our, our most subconscious nature and creative nature, always trying to get that intimacy back. Those are a lot of the guys that are using commercial sex. They're looking for a girlfriend experience, a wife experience, a romance experience. The other guy that I, I get in knee to knee with is a control guy. And so he wants power and glory because when we lost the ability to work with God in the garden, we lost all of the glory and, and cool stuff, the supernatural stuff that God does. So we're always in search of power. And so I find men are, are either looking for intimacy or looking for power. When I work with law enforcement, um, unlike when I don't, um, I really try to target my marketing <laughs> towards the power guy. And um, the reason I do that is because one, I always have a deal with law enforcement that before you arrest him, I get 30 minutes with him to go knee to knee. Oh, right. You can't come in and haul this guy off till I get my 30 minutes. Um, That guy, he's a power guy. And so that's more of a very quick, listen, this is not going to go well for you. And, uh, but on the backside of this, if you can repent, there's going to be a better experience coming you know spiritually for you but uh i like to see those guys get arrested because it takes away their power yeah and it does make them stop for a minute and recognize what's going on around them and it's a better teaching lesson in that situation um but if there's somebody that really wanted to step in and get trained up and work with us i'm certainly not against that i don't want to be the only guy in the world doing this i don't want to be the only group in in the country fighting demand um, and, and more than willing to work with that. Now, our team has grown to almost double the team. So it's very hard. Um, we're having such wonderful results that a pastor, I, I started with one, um, he would end up after the hour because we get another guy coming in. That pastor would take the John 
from my knees, they go down to the hotel lobby and the wow. pastor would spend more time with them. So now I have pastors tagging in and, uh, and alternating every other time. Um, we always have a, a number of females that are, are praying, if not in an adjoining hotel room in, you know, depending if we get a suite, but we always have women praying. So that number of women has grown greater that are actually praying on site. If we, we have a number of people that are lookouts and that kind of thing throughout the hotel for safety reasons. And so those amount of people have grown. So, uh, but we still, depending on where we are in the country doing this, uh, depending on the night, uh, we still really only focus on one, one room at a time. So, so man, I just, I'm, I'm hearing you talk and I'm, I'm seeing, you know, 50 teams of, let's say four, uh, you've got your, your decoy, you've got your knee to knee guy, you've got your pastor, you've got one other guy just in case. I see 50 teams of guys all around every state in the country doing this thing to, I mean, I see that, I mean, I see that as a feasible thing. I think there are guys listening right now, to this podcast that are in Oregon and California and Wyoming and, and Montana saying, I, I'm in baby. I want to do this thing. I would love it. So I can tell you that in every one of those states and every city in that state is trafficking going on. Absolutely. So it's not like we don't need that army of men to step up and join what we're doing. Um, I would love it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's about discipleship, right? It's about reproduction. It's about it's about growing the body and, and giving people purpose and 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 introducing them to joy. So uh, yeah, wow, man, that, that's, that's so cool. I hope that's prophetic. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I don't, I just, I, I don't know, man. I don't see how it can't be. I mean, well, so so let's go into another thing here. So we've got the truck stop. We've got the golf guys. We've got uh, these are all knee to knee things. But you've got another thing going on that uh, it was uh, it's prevalent on your homepage. A very very moving story on one on your homepage video. Talk to me about adult massage parlor surveillance. Oh yeah, this is this is uh, talk about right in front of you and and you don't know it. I, I'm going to say with. From you and I having this discussion in the next week, you're going to go buy a place and go, oh, my God, there's one right there. I, I just how can I have driven by this every single day for the last five years? Yeah, I have no it, idea what one will look like. It's not a nail salon, is it? <laughs> yeah, well, there's that's a whole nother one. You know, really? But, uh, <laughs> you know, as far as the uh, specifically what we're going to call the adult massage parlor, it's going to have what I call the the office depot. uh open sign, that little neon sign. Um, it's always like that, but I like to get a massage. I would get a massage every week for a long time. I got a massage every week. I'm about, I'm about that. That's a wonderful thing, but this is an adult massage parlor and, and adults is the word local law enforcement has put in, in front of massage parlors so they can differentiate the two. Why they don't call it a whorehouse or a brothel is a, is a word I prefer. I don't know, but Basically, it's, it's full-on sex is sold there. That's that's exactly what it is. It's, it's there's no massage to it. You're going in and, and you're gonna uh, have a sex act. So the the places when you walk, they're a they're gonna have all their windows are gonna be blackened out. You're gonna walk in. It'd be like walking into a dentist's office. It's gonna be a little six by six cube with a sliding window. You're gonna pay that person sixty dollars for the massage. Basically, you're paying the house. Then they're going to lead you down to an area where you can pick from the three or four girls that are there. And then you're going to go into a room, uh, have sex, and come back out. The girl in the room is going to negotiate from, you know, depending on where you are in the country, from $100 to $200 for the sex act. 
you're going to pay her. So a man is justifying in his mind that this is consensual prostitution. He knows what he's getting. But listen, these locations are right next to your supermarket. They are right next to um, the nail salons. They're, 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 strip centers are full of them across the country. Um, I was, we're, we're playing right now in Charlotte, North Carolina, and within the, the 485 highway, the Beltline around the city, there are 51 locations that we have identified. 51. Oh, wow. And there's two to three girls in every one of those locations. So that's 150 trafficked girls that are going on right now while we speak. That's just Charlotte. That's just one city in the country. So uh, a little bitty, bitty town. I, I started down this experience and this knowledge uh, base six years ago in a little bitty town in North Carolina that had four locations. And one of those locations, very prominent uh, in, in their uptown area. You could call a small town having an uptown, but um, and and, a, and one of the biggest uh, Methodist church was was on the opposite corner. So I was invited to speak about traffic in that Methodist church. I pointed and I said, "Well, you know, a hundred yards down the street is actually a Bravo you guys drive every day." That started in, within the city. This whole torrent, right? And and the end up story is is that all four of those locations were closed down. Whoa! And and we had a trafficking issue. And that was just in a little bitty small town, quaint town, beautiful little town. Um, at the time, the local law enforcement said it was prostitution. It had been there for 20 years. What's the big deal? Uh, the mayor was, had washed his hands of it. The, the DA had washed his hands of it. And it was just kind of a funny situation. But I will tell you that three years after that, the mayor and I, through a concert benefit to fight trafficking on the front lawn of the uh, the town hall on concert ever in the history of the town. So, you know, we all have to learn what it is. We all start out ignorant to this, but these locations are right on the corner. So um, local law enforcement does not police them at all. And they don't, not because they're bad guys, but because the general public, A, doesn't know they're there, B, doesn't understand what they are, and C, never calls the city governments or the law enforcement to do anything about it. It's a non-issue. So they, instead they, you know, they go after the, the people breaking into your cars and things like that, that they do get complaints about. I get it. Uh, so vigilante truth, uh, we're not, the, the truth is clearly, you know, I think everybody's heard the truth today, but the vigilante part of that is not Charles Bronson. I can say that since we're in our fifties. It's not, <laughs> I have a big gun and I'm running around, you know, half cocked and, and shooting up the place. Vigilante by definition means where community government resources, which would be government and law enforcement, where those resources stop, it's the community's job to move from there forward. It, it's our job to do that. So it's not a matter of this is a law enforcement issue. This fighting trafficking is a partnership between law enforcement and the community. And it is our job to extend out when resource falls so, so here's my question. So, when we get when we get these guys in a knee to knee meeting, or uh, we catch them on a surveillance camera, are, are you doing the knee to knee during this uh, parlor surveillance? No, the parlor surveillance. We're literally just outside the buildings. Oh, right? so, okay. Because because people again, you're going to go by. You're going to see that open sign this week. I promise you. God is just going to pull your eyes to it. And you're going to go. Oh my gosh, there it was right yeah. in front of me. 
But what you're not going to believe is because it's right there on the main street with, with legal businesses left and right, you're going to say, everybody says this in the country, if it's open and it's so blatantly right there, says spa, huge, right over the front door, it must not be going on there. It, there must be nothing illegal going on there, or the police would have already shut it down. And the reality is, because there are no calls of service, no complaints, nobody knows it's there, nobody cares it's there, the police are, are, are not doing that. So what I had to do to get the general public to understand, this is how it started, to get the general public to believe what was going on there, I staked out one of these locations for 48 straight hours. The girls never left. Wow. Right. So it is like the, the Oompa Loompas never, you know, came out of the Charlie chocolate factory is <laughs> these girls are forced to live on mattresses in the back corners. They bring them food. They bring them clothes. They're never allowed to leave. So again, it's non-consensual. It's rape going on there. These girls are going to see 10 to 15 men a day. Slavery. 30 minutes, half hour, hour slavery. What is slavery? I don't care whether you know, I'm from the South. So it doesn't matter whether you are forcing somebody to pick cotton or you're forcing somebody to lay on their back on a mattress. Slavery simply is somebody is performing a, a commercial act and not receiving payment for it. Right. So you have these slaves jammed up in these locations. They're having to service be raped in this case by 10 to 15 men a day. They're receiving no compensation for it. A lot of the times they're Asian, they don't even speak English or know what city or state they're in. And so, you know, but I had to prove that. Yeah. So I personally just did that. I'm here for the next two days. No, you know, I'll just be here. I got a camera with me taking pictures of the guys coming and going. Uh, but the girls never came and went. And so that, you know, here's what here's what happens in sex trapping. If you are going to raise up an army and the men go, I want to be a part of what you're doing, but what can I do? What you cannot do is be in the presence of the victims. Yeah. The victims. Uh, I was with a, a young lady one time. She was a victim. I had on a red hat and it triggered because her pimp used to wear a red ball cap. Right. So I, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I, my heart was certainly right. I just walked into a situation uh, where she was there. And so, you know, Men bad, <laughs> men no good for girls. Yeah, and and so there isn't a whole lot we can do on the supply side. We can only work on the demand side. So a, you can get out and spread the message, but b, what can you do technically? We men, we're doers. We want to be a part of something. So I started involving men and creating teams of men. Okay, instead of me being by myself for the next forty eight hours, you guys go out and survey this location and this location. And we're talking about Charlotte and those fifty one locations. So I'd like to send out teams of two. So. You know, it's a hundred and something guys that need to be hanging out. And so it gives men to, something to do. But even more importantly, it goes back to the original stat I heard. And it, I mean, it was like one of the first ones I heard. If a man is going to be exposed for paying for commercial sex, 95% of those men will not do it. Yep. I agree. I bet you're right. Yep. Well, so we, we created something called Vigilante Undercover. It's on Facebook. And in addition to, you know, doing the surveillance, we take that information, we put it all together uh, in a case file. We provide that to local law enforcement so that at least they can't say they don't know what is going on there. Um, but what we do is 
and, and, and this is just my way of meeting that demand. This is where 95% of men say they will not pay for sex if they are going to be exposed uh, to family or friends. We have a page, Vigilante Undercover, and it's spelled and, and sounds exactly like it is, but Vigilante Undercover on Facebook. We will take the pictures of the men going into the location, picture of their car, picture of their tag, and we will post all that up on our Facebook page. And I love it. We'll get 25, 30,000 views of these pictures. Uh, we've had, I've, I've, I've ended up having knee to knees meetings with the men over it. Uh, so, so, you know, we do kind of get that kind of stuff. But the reality is what we see on all the chat rooms and the internet sites when we're doing those and exposing those, you'll see a radical shift in the men are talking to each other and, and they're chatting with each other of, hey, these guys are doing this. And we've actually closed down four locations just by affecting the demand. And then we started going out with our teams and just sitting blatantly out in the parking lot on Fridays and Saturday evenings. And the locations would just close because wow. the men would drive through the parking lot <laughs> in our cars and, and drive on. So, you know, we've been able to affect these locations by 10, 20, $30,000 on a weekend. So there's lots of ways you can overcome things simply by fighting the demand. Man, I think that's so cool. So, so you, you get, get a guy uh, you, you sit him down knee to knee, you know, you see that he's broken and he's in bondage sexually. Uh, is there, what's the next step? Is there anything offered in our churches or communities? Are there, are there options out there for these guys who you've, you've, uh, exposed their sin, brought it to light. And these guys are wanting to change like that 22 year old young man you told us about earlier. Sure. Yeah. So it, that is the big issue. People ask me all the time, Hey, do you really think you can end trafficking? And I say, the better question is, do I think that I can be a part of the healing of all the broken men? And so that brokenness comes in the way of where do you plug them back in, uh, whether it's through counseling, whether it's worldly secular counseling, um, spiritual counseling back in the church. But because of, of my faith, I immediately turned to the church and said, all right, where are the men's groups? What does a man who's broken, where does he turn? Uh, in my own church, I really didn't have anywhere to turn. Uh, you know, if you have a guy who's addicted to pornography, A, he's not addicted to pornography. He has a trauma that he's self-medicating with pornography. But where does he go to have that trauma healed? Can he go to his wife? Probably not. That's, that's not a safe place. Can he go to his buddies? No, they're doing it too. So they're going to tell him it's okay. Can he, he go to the pastor? Maybe that's a safe place. Pastor... I think the stats crazy now. Make 50, 60% of pastors are watching porn. So, yeah. you know, that's probably not a safe place. And he might actually get judged and tossed out of the church. And a guy like Bo can't come in and start Wednesday night for porn men, right? And, and reach him that way. So there is a huge hole for men in our churches. And, and part of fighting trafficking over the last couple of years has been identifying men's groups and starting and founding men's groups, even in churches I don't belong to. So, Bo, you're, I mean, you're out there. It sounds like you're doing, you know, dozens of these knee to knees in one night. You're, you're going, you're doing the surveillance. You're doing so many things. You're seeing so much brokenness. Here's my question. This is more of a personal question because I live in the nonprofit world and, and, uh, you know, it can be kind of lonely at times. You know, you're just grinding it out, and you're passionate about a cause that deeply matters to God. How do you, 
maybe this isn't an issue for you, but in your particular ministry, how do you, Bo Quickle, protect your heart against lust and rage? I'm assuming those would be two things that would would be a temptation for you because you're dealing with sexual sin and you're dealing with sexual sin on one of the most heinous hubristic levels in humanity. Now you have hit on both emotions, <laughs> uh, you know, and sometimes people refer to it as anger, but, but rage, um, rage is much higher. In fact, the very first time I ever went out to do a hotel intervention before I sat down with that 22 year old individual, um, the hour leading into him showing up is the only time and, and I used to like bar fights, bar fighting and stuff like that. So but this was the only time that I ever in my life can tell you for a fact that I had murder on my heart. Oh, wow. I just, that was the spirit. I, I was angry. I was enraged and, and wanted to kill that young man oh, for man. what he was doing to these victims that, that, the stories I've heard will make sure nobody in your listening area eats lunch or dinner. Um, and, and because it was so dramatic and, and so real to me, I recognized it as not of me, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah. Uh, I realized that I was in a spiritual battle at that moment. And so I did have to um, bring in some people just to pray over me immediately and break that off. So there's, it's a recognition. Um, I, we men are just not being honest with ourselves. We're, we're, we're justifying, self-justifying, self-medicating, living lies, living behind masks, all these different you know, analogies you want to use. But in the world I walk in, the truth that I walk in, there's no room for that. Correct. I, I would, you know, the devil will take me out a lot quicker than most. Not, well, A, because of the battle I'm in, but it is the level of, of, of sexual immorality that I walk in would be very easy for he to, him to suck me into, or that, that anger and the violence, it would be very easy to suck into those, those areas. So I just have to walk a level of holiness and purity that most people don't have to. I mean, it's not a heaven or hell issue. Um, it's just how can I effectively do what I do? Yeah. Now I will tell you that I can, um, I can surf back chat rooms and internet sites and porn sites and things, things that it takes to do what I do. I can do that for hours with worship music playing and never once have what we would think would be a lustful sexual thought. Um, and my wife would tell you, I have a healthy appetite for sex. It's not that it's simply that I understand the value of the female that I'm looking at. I see her now as priceless. So I would be devaluing her. And, and listen, her value comes from God. It, he's, I, I am dishonoring God and I'm dishonoring his creation. I'm dishonoring his purpose, his plan, his love, his mercy, his grace. Everything about God I'm dishonoring when I take part in, in lowering the value of a female. Now, is this where we go to the—you've used the phrase several times. Is this the where you come back to the phrase priceless standing? Yeah, and this is a, a great 
place to, to really wind this up on. There's something called the Nordic model, N-O-R-D-I-C, Nordic. And it, it is something started in Finland. So Finland decided they were going to end trafficking, only country that has. Um, Iceland's taken it on. Other countries have tried it, uh, but they, they have not done everything necessary to actually get success. And here's, here's what the Nordic model says to do. If you want to end trafficking, you have to, A, legalize prostitution. And you legalize prostitution so that the female, the victim, is not criminalized. So, okay, that, that makes sense. A lot of countries have tried that. Uh, let's just take Amsterdam, for instance. Prostitution is legal, and Amsterdam has one of the hugest trafficking problems going. So that's not just the answer. Germany is, has legalized prostitution. Trafficking has exploded in their country. Now they're trying to back that down. Canada tried it. Um, now they're, they're having problems. So it's not just about taking care of the victim. Remember I said at the very beginning of your program, just fighting supply side is actually going to do more damage. You have to look at the big picture, and the big picture is is supply. Yes, let's legalize abortion. Uh, abortion. There's a whole other show for you. Yeah. Uh, legalize prostitution. At the same time, we have to come over to the demand side, and we have to make buying sex, purchasing sex, a felony, highly illegal. We catch you paying for sex on any level. We're taking your car, right? Yeah. I haven't been. I, there's not a study yet that hasn't claimed if the pain is greater than the pleasure. <laughs> well, that's like the story, right? With hunting. Yeah. If I get catch, if I'm trespassing while hunting, I lose my car and my gun. Right. Hey, beside, you know, I've got a moral compass that says that's wrong, but if I didn't, I want my guns and car, <laughs> you know? Right. So that's what you're saying. Thank you. Look, yeah. I, I have a, I can self-medicate with, with commercial sex, with drugs, with fast fishing, with golf, However, I'm going to go and numb my soul to get away from that pain. I have a choice to do that. So as far as I'm concerned, go do drugs. Yeah. Go play golf. Go bass fishing. You just need to leave God's girls alone. For sure. That's just my own personal passion for this. So we just need to make that pain greater. What are we doing? We're going exactly at the consumer demand. Because if you stop the demand, you've stopped the entire problem. If we fix men, we fix the entire problem. And not just the problem of sex trafficking, but the problem of... Uh, pregnancies, uh, unwed pregnancies, uh, abusive domestic violence issues, on and on and on and on. Sexually right? transmitted disease, yeah. Right? So you legalize prostitution, you make purchasing uh, sex highly illegal. By the way, in the United States, it is illegal to buy sex and it is illegal to sell sex. So some of that's already in play. But here's where people stop. And they don't read down to the last and third and most important part. In Finland, starting with the president all the way down, they started a culture change that raised the value of women just up to equal with men. But equal. So that men were no longer exploiting women and thinking that women were less than them. They don't have to be greater. It just has to be equal. Yeah. So it took out the exploiting of women on all levels, so much so that now the streets in Finland, they close like at 9 p.m. Men are going to the bars and oogling the, the cocktail waitresses and, and trying to hit on some female in the bar or oogle the, the bartenders. They're literally going home to their spending time with their children because they see the value in that. 
So that's the Nordic model. That's the all three things that have to be done. And so here in our country, part of realizing, hey, we need to fight trafficking and in trafficking goes back to my earlier discussion. We need to teach men that they are exploiting priceless, God's priceless females. And here's what's priceless about a female. And, and we have to teach them that. But here's the kicker for any female that, that's going to be listening or any. Here's, here's the kicker for any dad who's listening. And he's got a daughter. And, and he's going to ask the question, Bo, how in the world can I protect my daughter from this? The quickest way to do that is to build value into your daughter. Because the master manipulator trafficker, he's just coming along looking who he can devour. And I can tell you, as an experiment, I've gotten good at this. I can line up 10, 16-year-old girls on a wall. And I can go down and ask the same question of each one of the girls. And it might, be, it might not even be a question. I might just reach out my hand and say, you sure are pretty. And the girl who looks me in the eyes and doesn't shake my hand, well, next. The girl who shakes my hand and looks down with a weak thank you, mm. got a value problem. I'm maybe going to whittle her down into the top five. But as I answer these questions or ask these questions of these girls, I'll end up with one girl that's going to be easily trafficable, easily manipulatable, and it's all going to be value-driven. Wow. So for my daughter, it, it, for guys who are worried about even who your daughter's dating, I used to be the guy who would tell my daughter's suitors, A, you can't date her, but if I catch you dating her, I'm just going to chip you into the lake. Yeah. I was yeah. that dad. Yeah. And that worked very effectively until I got a hold of this priceless piece. And now all I've done is tell my daughter what's priceless in her. I protect and shield that. And now my, my daughter has started calling out the worthless dudes. If they don't recognize the priceless value in her, she's on to the next guy who might. And that's been a beautiful thing to watch. I love it. We we have to bow, build value into our daughters and granddaughters and our wife. Absolutely. That they are priceless and worthy and uh, and they are enough. And uh, I love that, man. Hey, Bo, thanks so much for coming on the show. Your website is vigilantetruth.com, correct? That is correct. Hey, I love what you're doing. Hey guys, what's next? What's the boot? What what is the boots on the ground action step? And I'm going to make this real simple this week. I'm really I think Bo is doing a great thing. Uh, he's got a great vision for our country, and uh, I know that there are a lot of vigilante guys out there listening to our podcast right now. So here's what I want you to do. Your action item this week is to go to vigilantetruth.com. And I just want you to watch the first video that pops up on the screen there. Uh, it's about a young uh, Asian gal in a in a massage parlor, and it's it's really really moving. You watch that video, and if God moves you, get a hold of Bo. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, they're in North Carolina, man. We should have something over here on the West Coast. So uh, go watch that video. We want to partner with this great ministry. We'll post that boots on the ground on our weekly equipping blast that you can subscribe to at meninarena.org when you grab a free copy of my 365-day bathroom book for men. And while you're doing that, head on over to our Facebook forum and join the thousands and thousands of men from about, about 85 countries on our forum. We also have a brand new forum on our website. And uh, guys, did you know that Men in the Arena is a nonprofit, crowdfunded organization? We exist to inspire men to become their best version. And because of a large group of generous donors like you, we're able to offer our resources for free to the three M's, men in underdeveloped nations, missionaries, and military guys who are active in service. Guys, we have a lot going on. Check out who we are and what we do at meninthearena.org. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. 
Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Rescue a priceless female. Grind it out and be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.